Section 46 of The Catholic's Ready Answer This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill Section 46 Heckle On the Tripod The development of the individual life from the embryo form is but a representation in little of the development of the entire species from a primitive form. This is that irrefragable law which is the heaviest piece of artillery made to do battle for the truth. Under its repeated assaults, the magnificent fabric of the Roman hierarchy will tumble like a house of cards. Heckel The truth about Heckel Possibly some of our readers will ask who or what is Heckel. Others will doubtless have heard of him as a German professor of some notoriety, whose books have had no little vogue in English-speaking countries. Some few years ago, a cheap edition of one of Heckel's books, entitled Weltstratzel, English title The Riddle of the Universe, sold by the hundred thousand in England, and many an unknowing reader had the pleasure of tasting a sample of what he was told was German science, the genuine article from the workshop of the best producer of the commodity to be found in all Germany. Heckel, it must be admitted, has done some very meritorious work in his own special department of natural history, but for many years he has been impelled by an irresistible impulse to step out of his own legitimate province and play the role of philosopher. This has been the mistake of his life, for not only has he disgraced himself in the field of higher speculation, but even among his brother scientists, by reason of his charlatan spirit and his daring frauds, recently confessed by himself, he has covered himself with well-deserved obloquy. In his Veltratzel, he attempts to solve what he calls the riddle of the universe, that is to say, to account for the world as we find it, and trace all things back to their origin, and to their ultimate elements. His philosophy is materialistic. All things consist of matter, and all have been evolved out of primitive forms of matter by virtue of a certain energy, which is an inherent quality of matter. The spiritual, in any right sense of the word, has no place in the system. God, soul, immortality are all relegated to the region of myths, the style in which the subject is treated by this would-be philosopher is of the quietly oracular kind. His treatise, so to style it, is a continuous stream of placidly self-confident assertion. He argues or discusses as little as a prophet. Viewed under another aspect, the book is an undignified appeal to the crowd. We may confidently assert that any other man of science who had a reputation to make or unmake would resent the imputation of being considered its author. For our part, we should never have mentioned his name in these pages, had not the powers of darkness made use of his reputation as a German scientist to poison the minds of thousands of unwary readers in English-speaking countries. Some lines above, we alluded to certain frauds associated with the name of Ernst Haeckel, they belong to the category of deadly sins, which had never forgiven the man of science. They consisted in a deliberate misrepresentation of facts.
The ordinary student depends on the original investigator for a knowledge of facts, and facts are the very basis of all physical science. Hence a professor, who knowingly distorts the facts presented to his pupils, saps the foundation of science. This in a flagrant form is the offence of Ernst Haeckel. The circumstances were as follows. Haeckel is a Darwinist of the extreme type. He holds with Darwin that man has been evolved from the ape. In his search for arguments to prove his thesis, he has been for some years pursuing an idea to which he attaches much importance. If he could show from the actual prenatal life of man that the individual man is evolved from an embryo, which at an early stage of its growth cannot be distinguished from the embryos of certain other animals, the ape, for instance, an actual case of evolution would be furnished, having an analogy with the evolution of the entire human species in the lapse of ages in the past. The reader will have perceived that so far as the argument could have any force at all, it would simply present an analogy between a natural case and a merely possible one. But even to effect thus much, the actual fact would have to be produced. Haeckel was equal to the task. In a pamphlet published in 1907 and entitled Das Menschen Problem, he exhibited some drawings of embryo men and apes, supposed to be taken from nature. In these representations, men and apes were shown to be exactly alike, and doubtless Haeckel rubbed his hands with Barnum-like glee at the success of his little venture. This was the first act of the little drama. In the second came the denouement. In 1908, Dr. Arnold Brass, after a careful study of the diagrams, proved conclusively that many of them were inaccurate and worthless, and others purposely and deliberately falsified. This scientific world was soon in a ferment, and a war of words ensued. It was brought to a close in 1909 by Haeckel himself in the following statement, made in the Munchner Allgemeine Zeitung. To put an end to this unsavoury dispute, I begin at once with the contrite confession that a small number, 6-8% to 8 of my embryo diagrams, are really forgeries in Dr. Brass's sense. Those, namely, for which the observed material is so incomplete or insufficient as to compel us to fill in and reconstruct the missing links by hypothesis and comparative synthesis. I should feel utterly condemned and annihilated by this admission, were it not that hundreds of the best observers and most reputable biologists lie under the same charge. The great majority of all morphological, anatomical, histological and embryonical diagrams are not true to nature, but are more or less doctored, schematized and reconstructed. The controversy now entered a new phase. The scientific world had to defend itself against the sweeping charge under which Haeckel had sought shelter for his own poor head. Its defence was, to say the least, of a very dubious character. The following statement, signed by 46 professors, representing 25 German and Austrian universities and scientific schools, was published in the Allgemeine Zeitung. The undersigned professors, directors of laboratories, etc., herewith declare that they do not approve of the method of schematizing which Haeckel has in some instances made use of. 
At the same time, in the interest of science and professional freedom, they condemn in the sharpest manner the warfare waged against Heckel by Brass and the members of the Keplerbund. They declare, moreover, that the evolutionistic idea can suffer no detriment from some few inaccurately reproduced embryo diagrams. The evolutionistic idea suffers just as much as is involved in the loss of Heckel's argument from analogy. Fraud has failed to bolster it up, and fraud was its only resource. Moreover, it should suffer considerable detriment from the last sentence of the document just quoted. The Keplerbund, a scientific society of the highest standing, felt itself bound to reply. A declaration was issued over the names of 25 scientists who were members of the Bund, and 11 who were not members. 19 learned institutions of Germany, Switzerland and Austria were represented by the signatures. The declaration read in part as follows. We are in agreement with the Keplerbund when it demands that henceforth, as in the past, German scientific research shall rest on an uncompromising love of truth and on the strictest personal sincerity. What should we say of a historian who should alter the letters of an inscription in order to put through a preconceived personal opinion? Heckel's want of conscientiousness in popularising scientific facts and philosophical speculations has been shown up by others besides Dr. Brass. We refer particularly to Wilhelm Hiss, who in 1875 exposed the arbitrary manner in which Heckel modified his scientific data. To declare as unimportant such arbitrary mutilations of the diagrams of other workers as Heckel has been convicted of, by Rutemeyer, Hiss and Brass, manifests a laxity of opinion to which we cannot assent. Heckel is thus discredited by the signed verdict of 82 of the foremost German authorities, though to 46 of them it was evidently a sore task. And this is the man whose miserable travesty of science has been sapping the foundations of men's faith. And what a revelation does not the whole transaction make of what is going on in scientific circles in Germany, a country to which, for the rest, The world is so deeply indebted for its scientific knowledge. We may note, by the way, that Heckel began his scientific frauds much earlier than the year 1907. In 1868, wishing to illustrate the identity and appearance of man, the dog and the ape, in their embryonic condition, he made three copies of one and the same drawing and labelled them respectively man, dog, ape. Heckel has noticed, and no doubt with keen regret, which he manages, however, to fob off with a smile, the large exodus from the ranks of the ultra-evolutionists occurring in the past few decades. But what will our readers think of a man who attributes the change of opinion that has taken place in the case of so many eminent scientists to the influence of age and increasing mental decrepitude? The diagnosis rebounds upon himself and who fancies that the young and enthusiastic are more likely to lay hold of the truth than those who bring to their studies the ripe fruit of experience. Our readers can judge for themselves with what degree of success Heckel has wielded the terrible piece of ordinance which is destined to make the Roman hierarchy tumble down like a house of cards. End of section 46
Recording by Florence.